0: We need a defense for free peoples. This is this week of common sense. What you're talking about is the pieces you write on common sense with Paul Jacob. So that would be you. That is what I'm talking about. Yeah, that and, right. uh, and it's at this is common
1: You've been right about that week after week after
0: yeah, week. It's it's one thing that I can be right about. <laughs> I may not be right about UFOs, but I might be right about this.
1: <laughs> you may be right about UFOs too. That's the that's the scary part. Certainly right that uh, boy. That's a funny subject with our uh, government. Who we may not be uh, adult enough to to be uh, let in on the know, but we don't have any scripts about that this week. Although we have in the past. If you come to uh, thisiscommonsense.org and um, and go to the search button and type in UFO or what's the new term? I had it at the tip of UAP.
0: my tongue. UAP. I hate UAP. it. And I
1: only hate it not because it's not more accurate.
0: It's unidentified aerial phenomenon.
1: Yes. It's
0: just not traditional. And it's they're trying to bury all the past information. They're trying not to think about what's happened right World right. War II on. And I don't like that. Also, the most important UAPs aren't A, they're S. They're submersible. They're in the oceans and lakes and things. And, uh, and those are the ones that I think are most interesting and most challenging.
1: You have mentioned that before. Um, but I don't remember reading anything about, uh, submersible. Uh, I do remember the, the, uh, off the coast of California, the, the Navy ship that kind of came under attack from, you know, someone could argue drones, but, uh, <laughs> drones that do stuff that no drones we know do. But, uh, I, I remember stuff like that, but, but interesting if there were you know, unidentified uh, zooming around objects in the ocean.
0: Tucker Carlson on, on a podcast that interviewed him, uh, I forget which one it was. He basically said that, he he says that's what he's he's learned and what's so surprising is that they're underwater. They probably live there. Now, I'm not saying that there's any life in a normal sense involved here. I'm not saying they're beings and I don't know anything about that. I don't really believe it. I'll, when the evidence comes, I'll believe things. But but he thinks that it's just, it's underwater and underground and uh, that this is well known in the in the by the US Navy and uh, things like that. So that's I'm I'm kind of going partly on that. But uh, Richard Dolan has a book coming out on that subject uh, fairly soon, I think. Uh, About submersibles and how all the evidence is that they're transmedium objects. That's what they're they're talking about. They go in and out of the water water
1: and they fly around.
0: Yeah, and that's all sports.
1: They're like they lettered in every sport.
0: That's it. That's it. And the only reason I bring this up really is because that's the big news this week that we didn't cover, right? I mean, the in front of the Mexican Congress. Well, we
1: did. We did telepathically. The people who are on that wavelength got that, but. (laughs) not everyone
0: maybe yeah I don't believe that thing either I, to me it looks like a fraud that that same uh person who presented the information that presented the bodies in front of Congress uh, he says they have a DNA uh, evidence on it and so if that's true and it's all aliens then I'll I'll you know I'm, I'm willing to go with it but but he did he did promote mummies to the past that were fraudulent they were somebody's creation they took old mummies and they moved them around a bit you know they made three fingered long right. and they just right. they made frauds out of them and that's not acceptable and that makes him kind of a dupe so I'm let's just say on that whole subject I'm pretty uh, pretty uh, uh, against but I just got a UFO book in the mail here uh, and it's going to be wacko as all get out so I I, I don't pretend to it came from outer space Well, this is, this is um, <laughs> the demon in the ecker uh, I don't even know what an ecker is but it's supposed to be important me neither I don't know. Okay. And you know. And you know that Michael Knowles, have you, you see, he uh, actually quoted uh, Michael Knowles believes that these are all demons. And he has uh, a snippet of uh, video from uh, what is his name? Lou Elizondo talking about he once went to the Pentagon. He was in the Pentagon himself. And he asked one of the higher-ups about it. And he says, well, we know what they are. They're demons. So,
1: like I said, Confirmed, confirmed by a, yeah. What can you say to intelligence
0: that? agency? What can you say to that by federal
1: government? It's kind of like in Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. If uh, the U.S. Postal Service says they're demons, <laughs> then they're demons. Well,
0: uh, anyway, uh, to, uh, we, Friday's we, piece was Must Known Musk. And he's not a demon, as far as we can tell. But that's what you wanted people to direct people to look at. Must Known Musk. Yes, it's hard to say and, that uh, title. Maybe we should have used it. Must Known Musk. That's hard to say. But then it you want to talk it's about Monday. easier
1: to read than to say. Yeah. So there you go. That's why instead of us talking about it, we suggest you go and yeah. uh, read it. And then Thursday we had conservator, conservatorships. Now, oh, there you go. I I don't think I should be president. <laughs> I can't quite get the words out. But uh, this is, you know, uh, where is the libertarian party when you need them well whoop, here they are
0: they finally got out of woodwork
1: this is a brilliant uh, it's just you know it's a one-day press release it's not everything in the world freedom hasn't been ushered in we're not in that shining city on the hill yet but this was a good little gambit and uh and i don't believe that they've ever from rereading some of these stories and air full disclosure I don't think they have yet actually filed for conservatorship because I don't think they've yet found the attorney who's comfortable doing it. Uh, I think they got Newsweek to basically write a story saying they're doing it because it was such a unique idea. But frankly, we do have people in public office. Mr. Biden, I think I think Mitch McConnell is a is a slam dunk. You know, let's not even argue it. And, and this is, you know, we have to be clear. This is not, gee, they're old, blah, blah, blah. You know, some people could be 95 and they'd be just fine in that office. Some people are a little bit spry still at 95 or 82 or six or whatever. These gentlemen are not. And the problem is it's hard to get rid of them because they have such enormous power. They are incumbents. They have incumbency power. And, you know, it's just a mess. And it's, it's not the only like just ugly sign that our politics is sick. I remember years ago, and probably 10, 10 plus now, when Congressman Lipinski uh, wanted to put his son in his congressional seat. Only problem is his seat was in Illinois and his son was in Kentucky. And they pulled the little. I wrote about it at town hall. We have it at. Uh, uh, you also have. We have it at. This is If you if you uh, search Lipinski, but uh, but basically here's how it worked. Lipinski didn't retire, even though everybody kind of sensed he was going to retire. He was getting up in years, way up. You know, should have retired ten years sooner. And but he waited and waited and waited until it was so late. That if he retired, the only way to replace him at that point and not let the darn Republican who you know is going to get four votes in November in that district or whatever, uh, the only way to replace him would be for the the Democratic committee in that congressional district to decide, which of course is Lipinski. So, so he waited. Did that. His son flew back, pretended he lived in Illinois, even though he'd been living in Kentucky and basically got the with with a month or two left in before Election Day, got the Democratic Party line in a Democratic district. And the the father basically handed the seat to his son. Now, somebody had to vote in the final stretch, but there was no sort of fair election leading up to it so this power of incumbency it's not just about oh they're going to be old and so on it's about they're going to be old they're going to be uh infirm, they're going to be you know told what to do they're going to be bought off they're going to be installed as family heirlooms they're you know we have a district in michigan debbie dingle is serving in that district i believe if we get to 2035 that a Dingle will have served, served, (laughs) will have been served in that district as the congressperson for 100 consecutive years, a century of one family controlling that district. That's not a problem of democracy. It's a problem of no democracy. Of no real meaningful competitive political system. So uh, this conservatorship, uh, what I what I like so much about it is it gets a, a, the key part of it right. These people are not fit to serve, and if we can't get them out, um, I mean, look, it, it's it's pretty likely that somebody who sixty percent of the American people don't like is going to be elected the next president um and and we it may be someone who's who's more popular than the other guy but who can't hardly string a sentence together or stay awake or doesn't have all his faculties and uh, anyway, anyway we, we don't have to beat this horse everybody knows it but take a breath and and internalize the fact that this is bad this is bad we can't just pretend that oh boy it's a tough season (laughs) you know our democracy our democracy our politics sucks and uh and boy we need to do something about it
0: i like the penultimate paragraph uh, about their string pullers who persisted milking each to the each of these two, two politicians to the last drill drip of inertial power inertial power was what you were talking about is that just that continual yes. uh it's another way of saying incumbent power incumbency power uh, yes it, it's an interesting process and it does degrade uh, the democratic idea and it certainly means they are being rep- they're representing whatever interests are controlling the string pollers whatever those are we don't know we we would have less knowledge of them because what's really you know normally people vote for a candidate not for their staff uh, and not for the click behind them but obviously in these cases. The staff of the clique behind them are more important. You quote also that 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 great moment of, of Joe Biden in Vietnam this uh, this week or this last week, where he basically ended his uh, press conference with says, "But I'm going to bed."
1: Yeah. Now, normally, <laughs> yeah.
0: that's not the way politicians tend to do that kind of thing, and I think it's interesting that uh, he chose to do that.
1: You could almost see Ronald Reagan doing it in such a way that it was funny and that it, it ignored. but it's like Biden doesn't do anything with that sort of, you know, grace and so on. It's, it's, it's ugly looking. And I have to say, I don't like to do names, you know, sometimes to to mix it up when you're doing a commentary, you don't want to say Biden and Mr. The president and so on. So you're looking for something new. And, and we have more than a few times borrowed, especially when he's, when the, when the, the prose fits it. We've borrowed uh, Trump's uh, moniker for for uh, President Biden, which is Sleepy Joe, and um, but uh, I had to come up with something for Mitch McConnell, and I and as I told you, I'm very proud of Motionless Mitch uh, as and I, uh, trust me, I won't be using it often. But I needed something to match it up here, and and so I got out being you know. Not too mean, but uh, you know, hip and cool enough. Got a name in on him, and uh, and you know, with, with both of these guys, I I don't like either one of them. Uh, I have a, a just a tiny bit of respect for McConnell because he stood on some issues like campaign finance stuff uh, with some measure of principle, but on other stuff, has had like no measure of principle. So it, these these are not my guys. But again, it's it's not it's not that their politics is so bad. And now look at what else they're doing. Anyone's politics is going to get worse and worse and worse if they're completely unaccountable. And these are all indications that they're completely unaccountable.
0: Wednesdays was swimming against the swamp. Did you want to linger on that topic for a long time, or did you just want to swim right
1: out? No, not a long time, but I just wanted to say here uh, that uh, there, you know, this is really about principle and when to stand on principle and when, you know, to to compromise and how sometimes, you know, if you immediately compromise, the other guy wins a lot of times. And so you do have to have a, just a little bit of toughness. Um, and I think here this is painted as somehow, Tupperville, I've had friends tell me that uh, Tommy Tupperville, the former Auburn football coach turned uh, U.S. senator, uh, who I think was a football coach, he's turned out not to be so bad a senator, maybe. Um, Depends on if you like, you know, his basic philosophy, but he seems to be sticking to it and being serious about it. And this is not about, hey, like I've had had people say, oh, he's, he's stopping people from getting abortions. The army is saying they will reimburse people for the expense of traveling out of state to get an abortion. They're not doing it for other things. And of course, you have the Hyde Amendment, which for decades and decades has been that thing that says the government doesn't spend money, tax dollars on it. and that's you know you can say hey well you know we we obliterate that compromise but I don't think he's got an untenable position at all uh, but again it's it's more that you know there there is a way to to look at this that I think makes some common sense and to today or that day it was actually Wednesday uh, John F Brennan has it he says when compromise violates principle. It is properly described as surrender. That is common sense. Sort of started to steal my, my little clothes there, but um, but hey, no, uh that is right. That's the that's the difference. And and I think sometimes we can we can talk about everything having, you know, total some people everything is principal to the, you know to the lint on their, you know, edge of their shoulder. But, uh but I think, I think people who go to Washington and have certain principles that they uphold, uh, it's not impossible to do it, but you, but you have to be serious.
0: Well, the next day is uh, a bit different. Balking at the
1: ban. Yes. And that's the story that hit big and, and kind of conservative, uh, uh, media, right as we were doing this piece, uh, about um, oh, I'm gonna come, uh, the New Mexico governor. Uh, I, I all of a sudden I wanted to say California. I was thinking, like, it's not California, Paul. It's uh, there, there, there are loony terms other places. No, I'm just kidding,
0: just yep. kidding. Michelle Lujan Grisham is the governor's name, I guess.
1: Yes, and she decided that there had been a shooting and therefore she was just uh, suspending gun rights. Uh, no public display of guns, uh, could happen thereafter. And of course, quickly, uh, people held protests where they did openly carry, uh, official after official from, from other political elected officials to sheriffs and police chiefs said, no, (laughs) that's not how it works. We have a constitution, um, This turned out to be kind of the feel-good story of the week, because a governor acted with the kind of arrogance that governors and mayors tended to act with a lot during the pandemic. And people just right off the bat kind of chuckled and said, oh, oh, no, no, you don't. And, And we need more of that, more of that attitude, that's for sure. And before we get to the last piece, uh, will we comply? Uh, I wanted to uh, alert people to Richard Feynman, uh, who I think is some kind of scientist. I I take it here. I read earlier, but I forgot by now. But uh, he has just a great statement uh, because it's true. And it, it just is like, shining after the last four or five years of this planet the statement is science is the belief in the ignorance of experts and it's absolutely true because the whole scientific method you wouldn't you wouldn't continue to test over and over and over and over again if you had faith that the experts had seen all the other tests, we've tested it a bunch of times, different ways. Come on, this is how it works. It's settled. It's settled science, and there is just little settled science. It's like zero, really, and and uh, it's it and that thinking, which is so revolutionary from a political hierarchy standpoint. Is what's led to a world in which we have all this technology and abundance and people can live longer. And, and that of course we hate and we want to tear down. And it's it is uh and and in the name of science, we want to negate people, uh, you know, like Richard Feynman. So it's uh he said this back in 1966. So that was back when uh, free speech was popular, even on the left, and uh, and so very interesting, especially because what we wrote about on Monday, um, and and I say we because, of course, I don't know how to spell or put sentences together. Or, uh, no, I do, but uh, I do get a lot of help, Mister Tim. Salutes, I salute you. Uh, and uh, this is about two COVID tyrants, and I'm sure that uh, people who are part of their fan base, uh, uh, which are very different fan bases, will refute, refute me vehemently uh, that they are tyrants of any kind. And of course they now, uh, Fauci seems oh so reasonable And it's always seemed reasonable. That's the tone. That's the shtick. Um, And President Trump now is basically saying, you know, if you heard his speech, we, you know, calling people COVID tyrants and saying, we will not comply. But these two guys got together and started the lockdown in America. And they started it under certain justification. And then sort of just, just wanted to do it forever without any real justification. Just kind of get up by the seat of their pants as they go. And we've had stuff about the mass. And and look, uh, I've changed my position on the mass. Uh, you know, early on, I thought Fauci was too quick, and others were too quick, not just Fauci, to dismiss the mass. And that it might be something people could do. Is there no, literally no value? I mean, give us something because people like to have something to to do to help themselves if there is something. If not, okay. Don't, you know, we don't want a placebo. But, um, and so I wrote a piece. Uh, I also wrote a piece early on saying to have some kindness and some uh, tolerance. For mistakes made by elected officials, uh, this is a pandemic. We don't go through it every day. Mistakes could get made. Let's let's have a certain level of trust going in, and you know, trust but verify. But let's let's you know, let's everybody be cool and calm and collected <laughs> as long as as long as we can maintain it. <laughs> there, you, there you go. Uh, I always like I always like the mask where they don't cover the nose, and I'm thinking that's really that's really helpful. But um, or or on airplanes where where they're really worried if you have the mask off too long to take a sip or to take a bite. And I'm thinking, really, if it's that dangerous, don't you think this hour and a half flight could happen without us getting served food in the first place? So, I mean, we, we there's so much insanity about it all. And it was fed by people like Fauci, who first said, you know, it's not going to do any good. And it turns out, I think he was right. And maybe he knew at that time that he was right about that. But then later said that he basically said that when he switched his position entirely. He said this because there was a shortage of mass in 95s, and he didn't want people rushing and buying up all the N95 mass. That told you right off the bat, that he thinks it's okay for him to lie to you if that's for the greater good in his mind and and donald trump um you know has done some things that we've credited him for uh i think he's probably sorry he he went along with fauci and others and and let the you know he he didn't like the deep state but he let the deep state do way too much stuff. And he wasn't very quick to realize that Fauci is the deep state. That the deep state is not just the CIA and the NSA and so on. It is people like Fauci. It is this whole apparatus that you know, who in medicine can can author a paper who isn't getting paid in one form or another by tax dollars that are controlled by this politician or that politician? And it's, it's, we have reached a really, really frightening point. And, uh, and, you know, the media is not very good about helping us, you know, sort through it. Uh, I think out of out of uh, this pandemic, Rand Paul looks as good as anyone coming out of this pandemic. He, he hit back at Fauci, he was tough to Fauci, but he he did not overstate or overpromise or you know or overaccuse. And yet he accused Fauci. If you remember, he gave Fauci the opportunity to take back in light of what we know now about what actually happened. And Fauci was still playing wiggle games on the whole gain of function. And and this is, you know, as I get older, and maybe if, maybe if this stuff was going on when I was younger, but I think some of it was, so I didn't pick up on it. But, but it's like, it, it is frightening, the level of public ignorance about huge happenings. When you think about, like, it upsets me that China lied about this virus and covered up the origin of it, and likely killed millions of people to cover their own behinds. Literally millions of people may have died, and certainly we know thousands, hundreds of thousands, tens of thousands, whatever the number is, people died so they could cover their, their body. And then to know that the US was in on it all, that Fauci was funding it, that we were, our tax dollars were being taken to fund it. And it wasn't bad enough that they did that. They then lied and played all kinds of games with it. They invented all these, the thing in the Lancet, the paper and and, uh, the American representative uh, to go investigate the Wuhan uh, laboratory of virology or whatever is the bag man who took the money from the NIH, Peter Daszak, and, and delivered it to Wuhan. That's the American who's going to investigate what's happening and whether there's any possibility of this crazy loudly. This is the world we live in, and yet this isn't what's driven the media. The, the Washington, if you read the Washington Post cover to cover every day, You wouldn't be thinking anything about a lab leak, about finding out that that our big government science apparatus is in bed with Chinese, you know, communist government and (laughs) in a lab that not only is doing a gain of function, a lot of research that I thought we were not doing, that's why we are doing it in America, but that we now know, for a fact, also had a huge wing that was military. So it it was a bioweapons lab. I mean, this may not, oh, I'm sure this wasn't, oh, no, this wasn't any sort of bioweapon. And, And I say that seriously, I don't know that it was. Maybe it wasn't, but boy, everyone is so quick to assure us that what they have no clue about is not anything to worry our pretty little heads about. That's the world we live in, a world in which our government is right in bed with a totalitarian genocidal regime that one minute we say, hey, they aren't bad folks. The next minute we say they're horrible, evil, terrible folks. Um and then it turns out they're all in bed together. We we need a, a defense for free peoples. And it would sure be nice if we could find a way to do it without these damn politicians involved. Well, that sounds
0: like the end of a podcast.
1: All right. I will talk at you soon, sir. You. Bye.
0: Bye. Thanks for joining us. My name is Timothy Verkula. For Paul Jacob, we're signing off. But we are reminding you, please, to go to thisiscommonsense.org.